0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, thanks so much for listening. This hour, we're going to do a simulcast with Varney and company. Stuart Varney, the number one show on Fox Business. Uh, Kelly McEnany in studio. Uh, she's excited, as I am, to have her here. Not only is she set to host her show, Outnumbered, in less than two hours, but her book is now out this week. It's called For Such a Time as This, My Faith Journey Through the White House and Beyond. And we'll talk to her about that. At the same time, we'll monitor Um, The tribute to Senator Bob Dole He's resting resting, His uh, body is resting in state In the Capitol building as expected And both sides are there to represent One of the few people to bring Republicans and Democrats Together uh, at the age of 98 He passed away from cancer Uh, So let's go to the Big Three Now with the stories You need to know
1: It's Brian's Big Three
0: Number three The Communist Party is celebrating its 100th year So is J.P. Morgan (laughs) And I'll I'll make you bet we last longer. (laughs) I can't say that in China. (laughs) They probably are listening anyway. Yeah, they are, and he later apologized. China, American businesses are selling their soul and how they're a poor human rights record as more nations joining our diplomatic Olympic boycott. We'll discuss it. Number two. What about private businesses? Private businesses, no, and I'll tell you the reason why. If there's 100 employees or more, and that's all it affects, they've done something right and I don't think the government has to make every decision for the private sector. You know, you've been doing quite well without it. Wow. Joe Manchin with The Wall Street Journal uh, a meeting yesterday, which kind of a town hall for him, uh, standing up again. Mandate mania. Even some Dems are beginning to sober up to the realities of Biden breaking his words on vaccine mandates. It's costing people their jobs. And as predicted, they're now coming for your kids. Plus, the Omicron scare tactic further fuels distrust. With the masses, I'll explain. Number one. Keeping New Yorkers safe, bringing the city back, that's the mission. Recovery for all of us. Now, we are one of the safest places in America right now when it comes to COVID. And we are also, as we have been for a long, long time, the safest big city in America. Really? That's interesting. Uh, no one believes that because who lives here. Crime crisis sponsored by Progressive, sub-sponsor, the squad piloted by Joe Biden, affecting every major city in America. You commit the crime and do no time. Plus, defaming and defunding the cops is a brutal combination. It yields chaos. We will detail the downfall and brand new bloody murder numbers. Uh, and Democrats could be paying the price if they don't sober up real quick with me right now. Kaylee McEnany. Kaylee, welcome.
1: Hey, Brian. Great to join you. How's the book tour feel? Uh, It's been a lot of fun. I was on Fox and Friends with you. Congratulations on your book, by the way, The President and the Freedom Fighter. I appreciate it. Yeah, really good. Now, are you
0: going to tour? Are you going to do any appearances? Uh, So I'm going
1: to Pensacola. I'm speaking at a big church there and doing a book signing. Um, I'm doing one in my hometown of Tampa, going out to Phoenix for Turning Point USA. So not quite as many stops as you. You did like 10 in in like four days. I was like, how is he doing this? (laughs) And I'm
0: actually going to Dallas tonight and then tomorrow uh, going to uh, Longwood in Tyler, Texas. Wow. tulsa and oklahoma city but almost done almost uh, done, almost done. but i've I just found i thought and i think i've told you this before um and we'll get to the issues but as press secretary it's the hardest for the president of the united states because he is definitely an atypical politician he really is a one-man force oftentimes if you prepare for a press conference the news would change minutes before you got up there yeah and you would walk out there not only prepared for the issues but prepared with issues that the press did not bring up. Yes. And you go, hey, by the way, here are the stories you're not asking me. Boom, boom, boom. I never saw that tactic before. It was brilliant.
1: Well, it had never been done. Um, and, look, I was told coming into the job, you've got to try to just uh, you know realize that half of your job is to work for the press and half for the president. And I said, but if the press doesn't work for the people anymore by ignoring a whole host of issues, I'm not working for the press. And I decided to gracefully, respectfully – challenge them with headlines. And that's what we did. We did a lot of preparation. You're right. It got challenging when there's a last minute news story breaking. Um, But yeah, I think we did something that hadn't been done before. And I had a great team to help me do it.
0: So you had Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who took the fire and was on SNL. And then Sean Spicer, they did the same thing on SNL. And then in between, you had a press secretary who has since turned on the administration who would not do a press conference. And now you go in there. You must have known. Was there hesitancy on your part to taking the job?
1: Not at all. I wanted to well, I mean, I I should say I was hesitant in the sense of leaving my daughter behind during COVID nineteen. She was in Florida. So on personal family level, yes, a hesitancy. But when President Trump called me, it was honestly pretty random. I wasn't expecting the call. I didn't know he was thinking of changing press secretaries and out of the blue, I get a call from the White House switchboard, and it's the president. And he said, "I have a question for you. Do you want to be my press secretary?" And I said, "It would be the honor of a lifetime, without hesitation." Um, and he said, "Mark, get it done." And I assume by that he meant Mark Meadows. "Go get it done." And it took a few weeks, but he got it done. So I, there was apprehension and nervousness, but never once did I think about not taking. it. I heard job. Mark
0: was the one who suggested you. Is that what you found out, or is that not true?
1: That that might be. I, honestly, I know the president Mark said Meadows, to me, yeah. "Mark Meadows." Yeah, the president had said to me for a while that. He'd been trying to get me in there. And he said, I kept telling my team, get Kaylee, get Kaylee, get Kaylee. And finally I put my foot down and got it done. Um so Mark may have been a, a contributor in that, but um President Trump takes the credit. So,
0: right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we know how he deserves it. Right. <laughs> so uh so Kaylee, you get this job uh, and and you had to be aggressive. This is what I found. You're a nice person by trade. There's a lot of people who grow up who, you know, are like kind of edgy and kind of want the conflict. Did it go against your personality to to spar like this on a daily basis with people who clearly did not like who you work for? And had a problem with almost everything you said. Did that go against the grain in your personality?
1: It did. Um, And, you know, I went through academia, all these liberal institutions. And, you know, I'm more of a conciliatory person. Um, But I think what President Trump taught me is we've got to be a little bit of a fighter. And it was actually – I was on Team Ben Carson at first. I didn't officially work for Ben Carson. That's who I was supporting. Changed to President Trump and only changed to him when I was on, at the time, Harvard Law School's campus – and I saw how angry the left was, and I saw how hesitant conservatives, including me, were to speak up. And then I saw this bold fighter in President Trump who sometimes said things a little indelicately, not the way I would say them, but was a fighter and bold and conservative and unashamed. And um, while it went against my personality to always be, you know, kind of combative or in a, a, uh, mano a mano a mano, I learned a lot from President Trump and realized we need a little bit of fight, especially when we have the truth.
0: So when, when I watch Peter Doocy, uh engage the president, uh, against Jen Psaki, and even the president. But I think the big difference is, it's not the tough questions, it's the tone. Yes. And, and it's just the anger and tone and disdain for you, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and for the president, it's really dissuading and I think harmful Here's an example of Jim Acosta, the worst showman Mm -hmm. I've ever seen going to that room. He had no interest in the answers, only in making himself more famous. Will you and other White House officials be wearing masks at the rally? It's a
1: personal choice. I won't be wearing a mask. Um, I can't speak for my colleagues.
0: And why won't you wear a mask? Is it sort of a personal political statement? Is it because the president would be disappointed in you if you don't wear a mask? It's It's a
1: personal decision. I'm tested regularly. I feel that it's safe for me not to be wearing a mask, and I'm in compliance with CDC. Guidelines, which are recommended but not required.
0: So, just a, it was personal. He was trying to get yeah. some type of story instead of get answers for his story.
1: And that was one of the milder Jim Acosta yeah. exchanges. Um, you know, he regularly would take me out of context. For instance, I remember one time I said. Uh, The science should not stand in the way of opening schools because the science is on our side. And I listed all the footnotes to that. And he just tweets out, "Kaylee says science shouldn't stand in the way, which obviously is the direct opposite of what I was saying. He left out the second part. Even Jake Tapper called him out for that one. But one example of many of dishonesty. And what it boils down to is some of these reporters, especially the loud ones, Jim Acosta, Caitlin Collins, John Carl, it's about their personal brand. They're trying to create a brand that is anti-Trump, a fighter, um, that is that is against Trump at all costs. Uh, and so they try to create these viral moments. And, and there's a handful of them. They're very loud. I think most of your listeners probably know who they are. Jim Acosta among them, and it's a real travesty.
0: It's, uh, it's he, he was by far the worst. Tam Donaldson, all those people through time, would ask questions had to do with the news. And maybe were a little abrasive in doing it. Um but not like this, not like I've ever seen before. So what was it like behind the scenes? Because a lot of the press secretary is without the cameras there, right? Would they be different with you?
1: Yes, I would say, you know, um, yes and no. Some of them were very nice on a personal level. You know, we'd be on Air Force One, but I was never – Um, When you're in the press world and in government or, you know, with a political campaign, you kind of have a choice because reporters try to say, let's go have drinks. Let's go have dinner. Let's meet for coffee. And I was never one that really took people up on that because I felt um, that those scenarios were always hazardous. I think a few scenarios come to mind where people say information off the record and the press doesn't honor it. So I kept my distance. Um, There were cordial and kind people like Steve Holland, Jeff May, uh, Jeff Mason was actually a very nice guy. But, um, you know, I tried to kind of keep my professional distance because I realized just how hostile it was against Trump and conservatives generally.
0: So a lot of times people have to decompress after that job, especially working for the president, uh, President Trump in particular. Did you have to decompress?
1: Not really. Uh, and people say, like, how stressful was the job? Sure, it was stressful. There were definitely hard points. No but- time off. But no time off. Um, You know, I had weekends at home, but we were always working. You're always on the clock. But I would say we had fun in the job. I mean, the times we were in my office in the press secretary's office, sitting by the fireplace, just laughing about like the kinds of crazy questions we could get asked, brainstorming, putting a lot of our our intellect into it with my small team. I had two confidants that were really uh, would help me spitball the issues. We had a blast. We had a lot of fun. And I think that's the key to the job. And being did you really have fun? I did. We, yeah. we had so much fun because we would identify the hardest question. We'd go out there, and they would never ask the hardest <clears throat> question because they didn't do their research. And I, I knew the question that I'd have to kind of wiggle, and it would be hard for me to answer um, because there wasn't a good answer for it. But they never really got to that question. It was always kind of the low-hanging fruit, like, why aren't you wearing a mask? Yeah.
0: Gotcha. Uh, the pandemic changed everything, yes. right? I mean, you had one narrative— the Russia narrative that, the, you know, CNN was going to ask about in MSNBC every day. But the pandemic changed everything. How did you handle that?
1: You know, I. Because you
0: now had doctors you're handling at the same time as the president. The president had the same messages as the doctors. Should they have a press conference together? Let's stop doing it. Let's start doing that. It was a tough time.
1: Yeah. You point out a really important issue because so I come into the West Wing and unlike, let's say, Sarah Sanders, who was a deputy press secretary, then got the role. I had never been a deputy press secretary in the White House. You know, I had been an intern, but that's nothing in comparison to actually being in the West Wing and working there. So I come in never having worked in the West Wing during the middle of a COVID-19 lockdown. That is literally when I came in. I had watched the infamous coronavirus task force briefings with Fauci contradicting the president. So it was a challenge. And when I came in, uh, the COVID task force briefings kind of started going off the rails. So um, we stopped doing those so much. They ceased to be productive for the American people because of the way the press handled pitting Fauci against Trump, et cetera. Um, So I kind of took the place of the coronavirus task force briefings, um, which was a challenge. But I would get the best information I could from Dr. Burks, who was a big help in that regard. And Joie and, um, you know, Alex Azar, and then you bring the best information you can to the American people. So it was a challenge, but it was fun.
0: She went to Oxford, Harvard, yes. uh, University of Miami. I want to find out all those things about Kayleigh McEnany. I also have you comment on the news of the day. In fact, before we, uh, before we actually take a time out, um, I really believe that in there's something going on in these cities. We watched our tree burn, and then we watched the fact that that arsonist is now out and we're seeing all these these repeat criminals when we, when you go to a parade at 12 noon in Wisconsin mm. and get run over by somebody that had no business being out of jail by a repeat offender do you think there's there is going to be hell to pay like never before in 2022 In small and big elections?
1: Oh, yes. And we saw over the summer when crime was particularly bad, that crime soared to one of the top issues, if not the top issue. So I think it's immigration economy and crime, no doubt about it. And- You know, I think one of the things that's uh, not talked about enough, we talk about these DAs and all the problems and at the state and local level, which is true and accurate. But we also don't often talk about how Joe Biden's been an aider and a better of the defund the police movement. You know, Jen Psaki will say he doesn't support defunding the police, but the entire campaign, he kind of let that movement play out instead of firmly pressing it down. And that's the reason we're here. It's liberal policies and President Biden. He has a hand in this.
0: Right. He earned this struggle. It's not as if it's just a cycle thing. This is a performance thing. Uh, When we come back, Kelly McEnany uh, talks more about her brand-new book, For Such a Time as This, where the title came from, and what was it like working at CNN? Uh, And then we'll take your calls. But Kelly's going to stay here for the whole half hour, and then she goes and does outnumbered, but and then a whole lot of promotion in between, right? Oh yes, you oh, yeah. know. <laughs> and also, yeah. And you got to tell me if do you need people to show up or is this all ticketed at your events?
1: Uh, it's mostly ticketed, so people are showing up already. Tampa's already sold out, so we're in good shape.
0: Sounds like you're bragging a little bit.
1: I, I'm bragging just a little just bit. Just a little bit. I not have not like seen that events. side. Of,
0: I haven't <laughs> seen that side of you yet. This is very interesting. Uh, back in a moment, Brian Kilmeade show. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We recognize we have to do more and better, but it's not unique to California. No. You've seen in Chicago, Minnesota, but also this is not unique. Property crime has gone up in many, many states, red states, not just blue states. Violent crime and property crime, for example, is higher in Texas than it is in California. I don't see that on Fox News. Why do you, uh, get, as you a all see that? Right, so uh, Gavin Newsom trying to sell a book. Meanwhile, uh, you know what's happening uh, in his state right now with uh, crime, the the uh, the looting that's taking place in all the major cities. The governor says, yeah, it's up to those mayors to rein them in. Uh, I don't think he's going to do that. And I've, I can't imagine anybody wanting Gavin Newsom's book. Kelly McEnany still with me, host Outnumbered. Her book is out now for such a time as this, top 10 already on Amazon. Kelly, Gavin Newsom selling a book at this time. And here we are in the holiday season where these major cities and these beautiful stores are being uh, are being looted on a daily basis.
1: Yeah. No, it's exactly right. And AOC says it's not happening. There are no smashing right. grabs. So there we you, are.
0: Well, uh, what do you say? Do you, he do, he knows a lot about Fox News for a guy that you would, is the iconic liberal governor.
1: Right. The iconic liberal governor who's run the state into the ground, who had a recall election, thinks he knows about Fox News. Well, why don't you come on Fox News and actually answer some real substantive questions instead of chatting it up with the hyenas at The View um, who are so delusional. Like I was listening to them talk about Joe Biden's press coverage and why aren't we giving him credit? And he's so deserving of gloating coverage. And What plan are you living on? The guy has a 41 percent approval rating.
0: Uh, Besides Biden, do you think he's going to be running for president?
1: I think so. Um, Well, first, let me back up. I've always been a believer that Joe Biden's going to run for a second term. I know I'm, like, in the vast minority there, but I think the guy's too stubborn. I think he's running. If he does run, I don't think he has many challengers. They'll probably clear the way, um, but should he not run – yeah, it, Kamala, Gavin Newsom, yes. Pete Buttigieg, who the right. West Wing apparently loves now.
0: It looks like uh, Donald Trump and he are almost in a dead heat with the Hispanic vote. That p- poll came out yesterday. You
1: caught that, yeah. yeah.
0: Kaylee, I'm going to run through some things in your background, rapid answers, all right? Okay. How, how it helps shape who you are today. First, uh, going from the University of Miami to Harvard, What's the big difference
1: Uh, The big difference was, I mean, Harvard obviously was a liberal campus. They call it the People's Republic of Cambridge. So I was surrounded by um, very strong leftists, and it was a challenge but made me better, made me better for my job as press secretary. A lot of
0: context, too. Oxford.
1: Oxford, uh, same thing. So at Oxford, you have professors who grill you on the papers you write. I had a professor from the Palestinian Liberation Organization, so we were very much at odds. She ended up being one of my favorite professors, and those sessions were very formative to understanding how to come to a podium, for instance, with a binder and facts. CNN. CNN, again, eight on one, uh, left on right, the host included among the leftists. Um, I, I couldn't show up without facts because I'd have eight, seven people screaming over me I was on Cuomo. We had a pretty viral exchange where he was demanding I call President Trump a liar. Um, interesting. He's such a paragon of virtue, isn't he? Uh, he really
0: is. Things certainly reverse. Kaylee, congratulations. I will uh, hopefully have you on next week and the week after. I'm Absolutely. also doing time. We'll continue to get the word out about your book, The Insider Account, of what it was really like being in the line of fire during the Trump years. And will there be four more? Uh, Kaylee, thanks so much. We'll watch you on Noon. Thanks, Brian. Back in a moment.